It is great to worship with you. Welcome to Providence Church again. My name is Jacob Armstrong. I'm one of the pastors here, and ah, it just feels good to take a deep breath and be in the presence of God uh, with you right now. On Thursday, June the 18th, my daughter Mary, a legal driver now, uh, got in a car and drove away from me. Um, we were at a body shop on Belinda Parkway, not far here from the church, and it was the first time that this had happened. So this is the first time that she had driven away from me by herself in a vehicle that she was driving by herself. Did I mention that she was by, by herself? No big deal. I just felt like my heart was fastened into a belt in the seat next to her, and my daughter and my heart just sort of drove away from me, and I saw them disappear over the horizon. It was a nine-minute drive uh, calculated on Google Maps to cover the 3.7 miles from that body shop to our house, and I sat there in the parking lot at the body shop until she got home and tracked her on my phone. I could watch her the whole way to get there. It sounds like I'm being dramatic, right? But what I'm trying to say is it felt really dramatic. I was thinking all these thoughts. Like uh, I was thinking, like, did I work too much when she was little? <laughs> did I spend enough time with her? I was like, did I get a chance to impart to her and pass down to her all the things that I wanted to? It sounds dramatic, but that's how I felt because I could see the look in her eyes, friends, one that I recognize, the look of freedom, right? The look of finally I can shed these people, which is good and right, and that's where she should be at this time. But I had to wonder in that moment, did I give her all that, that I wanted to give her? Have I passed down to her? Like, it seemed like all my chances were, were driving away. And over the last several weeks, we have been talking about a promise that Jesus passed down to us. Talking about this, this thing that he said, this is what I want to give you. He told the disciples, you know, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. And the whole church thing, the whole movement that has now covered the world started with this promise that Jesus gave to his disciples. He said, wait for the Holy Spirit. I have a promise for you. And what we see is that that promise is something that is to be passed down. Like we should be asking ourselves right now, are we doing all that we can to, to pass it down and to get it to more folks? You know, Jesus said, wait for the Holy Spirit. And when it comes, it's going to be passed down to the very ends of the earth. And we are still a part of that work. We've looked a lot in Acts chapter 2 in what's known as the birthday of the church, a, a day called Pentecost when that Holy Spirit came. And it was Peter, one of the disciples, who stood up. He said, I know what this is. This is the promise that Jesus said he was going to pass down to us. And he quotes to them a verse from their old scripture, so really old to us, from the book of Joel. And it sounds like this, Acts chapter 2, verse 17. This is what Peter stood up and said. He said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. You hear it, right? The Spirit is for who? The old and the young. It's for the man and the woman. In the, in the very telling of the story, Peter is saying this promise is something that is going to be passed down. And then Peter kind of wraps his remarks up that day on the birthday of the church with this line that we've looked at many times. He says, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. You can hear in his words the very nature of what heritage, legacy, passing down. Yeah, it's for you, but it's for your children. And you're hearing that, it's for your grandchildren. It's for those who will come after you. It's for all 
who are far off. It's very clear that the promise that Jesus has passed down to us is something that we are not to grip too tightly, but to over and over let it go and pass it down, to let go and pass it down. I want to tell you today, I've been excited to tell you the story of kind of the first story that happens after the birth of the church. So the church is birthed, and we're told about how kind of they organize and how they meet in homes, which we'll talk about more next week. But the first story of like people and encountering people comes in Acts chapter 3. And I'll tell you some of it today. It starts like this. It says, one day, Peter and John, Peter and John, a couple of Jesus' disciples, a couple who had received the promise, who'd received the Holy Spirit. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth, he couldn't walk, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those. So you see, Peter and John are doing what they do every day. They're going to the temple to pray at three o'clock. And this man is doing what he does every day. He has his friends carry him, and they set him down at the temple courts for him to beg. When he saw Peter and John, so when the lame man saw Peter and John about to enter to the temple, he asked them for money. That's what he did. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. So both the disciples turn, and they give their attention to this man. And Peter says to the man on the ground, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. That was what he did. Then Peter said this, silver or gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. And then taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. You could picture it outside the temple, and maybe there's a bunch of people there. If you keep reading in chapter 3, it says there was a bunch of people there, and guess what? They were all amazed. <laughs> They had all had the custom, like Peter and John, of coming to the temple at that time, and they'd all seen the guy who sits at the gate called Beautiful, who would beg for money like a lot of other people that did that, and now he's standing up, and his feet and his ankles are strong. Peter takes this opportunity to tell all those people who are gathered there about Jesus. That has become his pattern since what happened at Pentecost. When the Spirit kind of gets people's attention, Peter seizes that time to tell them about Jesus. And if you read in chapter 3, he says to the people looking, he says, why do you stare at us? like we did this with our own power. He's like, why are you looking at us like we did this? Peter says, no, we were given power. And now we are passing the power on to this guy. That's just how it works. Well, if you've read much of the Jesus story or hung around for a bit, you won't be surprised by what happens next. The religious authorities, kind of the teachers of the law, the church people, they begin to be very upset and frustrated that this has happened kind of on their watch and outside their temple. They're frustrated that they have healed this man, and now they're talking about a power that raised Jesus from the dead. This is a power they don't want being talked about. And so guess what happens? They put Peter and John in jail. Overnight, Peter and John spend a night in jail, and the next day they're brought to this almost trial, literally before the same people who, had, who Jesus had to stand for before and who convicted Jesus and who turned him over. So here are Peter and John now standing before Annas and Caiaphas, the people that Jesus stood before after spending a night in jail. They, they had to expect that they would meet the same fate as him. And so scripture in chapter four of Acts says, they had Peter, those are those authorities, they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power or what name did you do this? Check out what it says. It says, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. He is still rocking that promise, right? 
Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it's the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. It's a long story, Acts 3 and 4, but eventually the religious leaders command Peter and John, they say to them, stop, stop talking like this, stop doing this, stop spreading the name, stop saying the stuff, stop healing the people. And here's what Peter and John say. They say, we can't stop. We can't hold it back. And Peter and John just keep passing it down and passing it down. Today, I want us to think about what are we passing down? I want us to think about passing down the power and the promise. We've talked a lot about the power and the promise for us. Today, I want us to think about what does it look like to pass down the promise to our kids, to our grandkids, to the people we work with, to the people laying on the street, to all who are far off. There's some great things we learn in this story that I'm still kind of uncovering and mining with you. The first is this. The first thing we learn is don't be stingy with the power. The very nature of the power of God is that the more power poured out, the more power that gets poured out. <laughs> I'll let us sit with that for a moment. The very nature of this power is the more power that's poured out, the more power that gets poured out. So there is no rationale for being stingy with the power of God. Peter and John were heading to the temple. Somebody asked them for some money, and they see that he's lame, and they just pour out the power because there's no reason to be stingy because the power Jesus gave is inexhaustible, and it actually seems to get more abundant the more abundant we are with it. The more we pour it out, the more there seems to be. That's why Jesus said, wait for the Spirit. Wait for the whole spirit. Wait for the real spirit. Not a thimble full for today, not a knapsack of, 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 for just a little bit of spirit for the day. He says, no, wait for the whole spirit, the spirit that's for young and old, the spirit that's for the man and the woman. We are given no biblical precedent to be stingy with the power of God. Jesus mostly got in trouble for extending the power farther than the church people thought the power should go. And so here are Peter and John simply doing what they saw their master Jesus do all the time. The next thing to note, if you're thinking about passing down the Spirit, is you need to let those who you're passing it down to hold on to you for a little while. What am I talking about here? A real small, subtle verse in the midst of this story. The man is healed on the ground. He's helped up. His ankles are strong. But look at this verse right after he's healed. Acts chapter 3, verse 11. It says, while the man held on to Peter and John. All the people were astonished. So when he was lifted up off the ground, he was literally standing in between Peter and in between John, holding their arms. Wow. When you first find your footing in the Spirit, you'll need some help to stand up. You'll need somebody's arm. And as we're thinking about passing down the Spirit, you'll have to know those folks you're helping up, you don't just help them up and walk away. You help them up and, you, and they get to hold on to you for a little bit. That's how it is with our kids, right? We get a season for them to hold on to us. They watch us so close. So close, they're, they're touching us all the time, it feels like. And so as you think about passing down the promise to the people in your life, hold them close and then let them stand with you. 
What I mean by let them stand with you is there will come a time where they will stand with you and they won't be gripping your arm anymore, but they'll still be watching you. They'll still be close by. This is like the learner's permit, right? Ride with them for a while. Stay close. Let them stand on their own, but let them stand with you. Peter and John went to jail the night after they healed the lame man. And the next day they stood before the court. So this is a day later. And do you know who was standing with them? The man who had been lame. Listen to this. Chapter 4, verse 14. But since, this is talking about the they here is like the, the, the people who are putting them on trial. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So a day later, the lame guy who could now walk on his own, he was still hanging around Peter and John. He was actually putting his life on the line, standing there with them. And because they saw him, there was really nothing they could say against the evidence of God. His standing there was his testimony of of what God had done. And it was a, a standing example of the power now standing alongside Peter and John. And so what I hear in all this, just for me, is notice who is next to you. Like right now, as you're living your life, as you're going through this time, this season, we're all talking about how crazy of a time it is. Notice who is next to you. Like look around, maybe even right now, like look around. Who is next to you? Who is watching you? A few weeks ago, I shared a story here in my sermon about when I was a kid. Uh, I shared a story of how my dad squelched and then stopped a racist joke that was being told by some boys in my Boy Scout troop. It made a big impression on me. Well, do you know what happened to me this week? I was standing in a waiting room in a public place, and there were some men in the lobby uh, behind me. I was checking out. There were some men in the lobby behind me speaking in a blatantly and loudly racist way. I heard every word they said. And I was checking out with the receptionist, and I just wanted to get out of there. It actually clued me into some patterns that I'd had in my life. Like, as they were doing it, I was like, I just want to get out of here. I just want to leave. But while I was standing there, I remembered that somebody was standing next to me, my daughter Mary. And so uh, I turned and spoke to the men. When Mary and I got in the car, we talked about why I did that. We, all, we, all, we actually also talked about how I didn't do it perfectly. And so I don't want you to hear me as like a hero of that story in any way. My guess is it had little effect on the guys in the waiting room but I'm hoping the one that was standing next to me noticed. Right now, we need to notice who's next to us. We need to notice who is watching us because that's how things get passed down. You better believe that I'm expecting Mary to speak out for those who have no voice. That's just sort of what we pass down to her, to stand up for those who are on the ground and help pick them up. That's the expectation that's being passed down. And then, and then, and then I'll have to let her go. Then we let them go. After they have been picked up off the ground and held on to us for a little while and then stood with us and watched us and noticed us, then we let them go. Maybe you might need to say that with me. Then we let them go. The promise is for you, but it's also for your children. And it's for all who are far off. We're not stingy with it. We help people up. We stand with them. We notice that they're standing with us, and then we let them go. That is how the promise is passed down. We let them go. We let them go, and we trust God. We let them go, 
and we trust God and track them on our phones. It's hard. We have to entrust them to God eventually. There's no passing down. There's no movement of the Spirit if we're all just holding on to each other and we never let him go. These people who are passing the promise down to have to be let go. That night I was telling you about where Mary drove away from me for the first time. She texted me later uh, in the night. I was, I was at the church, and she texted me. She said, hey, Dad, can I meet up with some friends who are at Panera? We're going to sit around outside and talk. And you know what I said? Yes. She texted me an hour later. Hey, Dad, instead of going home, can I go say hi to a friend? She works over at Salsaritas. It's really close by. I said, yes. She texted me again. She said, hey, Dad, can I stop and get some gas? I'm like, yes, anything you can think of to delay coming home, <laughs> you can do it. Yes. And that's how the church got going. Men and women taught each other, poured into each other, held into each other. And then if you read the book of Acts, what you will see is they said, oh, they let them go. They let Mark go. They let Barnabas go. They let Paul go. They, they, they let Lydia go. They kept letting them go and letting them go and letting them go. And this whole thing, this whole promise got passed down in a crazy way that we'd be sitting wherever we are today, believing in a promise, holding on to the promise. Uh, claiming the power, speaking about the power. Uh, last Saturday evening, the Reverend Demond Bragg called me. Some of y'all know Demond, who live in the Mount Juliet area. Uh, Saturday night, I was tired, but I saw his name, so I answered. And uh, Demond pastors a church here in Mount Juliet called Holy Temple. We're longtime friends. We grew up together in this community. And I'm telling you that because pastors are being really intentional right now in this community. People are trying to divide everything up in our culture, right? They're trying to divide everything up. And we as the pastors and churches in this community, we've decided we ain't having it. So we're just going to be real intentional to stay together, to walk together, to talk to each other. So we're being intentional because people are watching us. And so Demond calls me just to check in. And as we were talking, it reminded me of the last time that we were uh, actually here together on this stage. It was three days after the tornado uh, hit Mount Juliet. And we held a community-wide or a couple community-wide prayer services on a Thursday night. Demond and I were standing up front uh, at the end of one of those services, and we were praying with people. And at the end of the, the last service, this big man came down the aisle towards me and Demond. We were standing right over there. Uh, his name's Tommy, Tommy Shelton. Tommy is a detective with the Mount Juliet Police Department, but he's also a pastor in our community, a wonderful man. And like Demond, Tommy grew up here in this community. So I say that to say, like, we've been in a relationship a long time. Well, Tommy had worked three days straight, I think, with, like, literally no sleep. He had been the one going into the rubble and pulling people out. Not only that, Tommy's church that he pastors was completely destroyed by the tornado. So he would work these 14, 16-hour shifts, and then he would go to the neighborhood where his church was, where it was decimated, and help people there. Not only that, the neighborhood that Tommy lived in uh, was demolished, <laughs> Triple Crown neighborhood. And it's like everything had, had hit uh, not only that, Tommy's wife was a teacher at West Wilson Middle School, which was knocked down. It was just like everything. And here we are at this prayer service, and Tommy's coming down the aisle from working and working and working, and he falls literally into me and Demond's arms. I have a picture of it that night. And it's my favorite picture from this terrible year. Because to me, it is a picture of the promise. Power perseverance, purpose. Right now, 
culture, people wants to pit everybody against everybody else. Black people against police officers, white people against black people. Even all the church people are arguing. All I see are arguments right now about all, all the stuff. But the promise, the promise ain't having any of that. I think back to this Acts chapter 3 and what was going on there, and it's not much different. There was uh, these disciples who were picking people up off the street, and the church people are literally arguing about it. It's amazing. Why did you pick that lame man up off the street? But it wasn't really about the lame man's healing that upset the church people. It was about the fact that they were extending the power further than they thought the power should go. Why did you give him the power? And the people who had the promise are like, oh, don't, don't you know the story? The promise is for everybody. The promise is for everybody. That's everywhere in the story as you walk through it, that it will extend from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth, that it will break down language barriers, that it will go to old and young and to man and woman, that it's for you and for your kids and for all who are far off. That particular night when we were uh, holding Tommy up, and Tommy's <laughs> is a big man. We held him up. We held him up because he's our brother. And when somebody's running low, we hold them up. One on the either side. That night, one of the strongest men I know had to be held up. And I thank God that I have the power to hold him up through Jesus Christ, the one who came from Nazareth, who went to the cross, and who was resurrected from the grave. We can offer the Spirit of God because the nature of this power is the more that's poured out, the more that's going to be poured out. You see, Tommy, uh, Tommy Shelton, is a son of our church. I don't know if you know what that means. What it means is uh, Tommy came up out of Providence Church. He came to know Christ through this church. When we met in an elementary school that no longer exists because a tornado blew it away, Tommy got the power, but the power is not gone just because the building got knocked down. And Tommy was actually baptized in our next meeting place, West Wilson Middle School. We had to get a bigger tub for Tommy. And that middle school will soon be bulldozed down because the tornado got a hold of it. But the promise stands strong in Tommy. And Tommy, once he was baptized, began to lead in our church and teach in our church. And then do you know what we did with Tommy? We sent him out. Let him go. And Tommy is now carrying the promise all over our community as a police officer as a pastor, as a husband, as a dad. Here's what I think, guys. It's actually not the time for religious arguments. I really don't think this is the time for social media arguments if you're all wrapped up in that right now. Why? Because there are people laying on the ground. There are people who we are called to pick up. We still have folks to pass the promise down to. We pass the promise down and we let them go. That's how the church works. We pick them up, we let them hold on to us, they stand with us, we stand with them, and then we let them go. If you don't hear anything else, what I'm trying to say is there's nothing better than what Jesus wants to give you, the promise of the Holy Spirit. As we seek out for all other things, it's really there's nothing better than what Jesus wants to give us. What is it? The Holy Spirit of God, the real Spirit, the whole Spirit covering your life like a baptism. We've been praying together, come Holy Spirit. And I invite you just to keep praying that in your life. Come Holy Spirit into my life, into my words, into my actions, into my family, into my job, into my community, into our nation. Let's invite this spirit because we are the people of the promise. Amen.